Theology of the Body Institute. This is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hey everybody. Good to be back with you and with my wife. Yep, happy to be here with you today. You know, a common question that we get from our listeners is about our parenting. And, you know, understandable, because that's what a lot of us are doing, is parenting and trying to apply theology of the body. And I just thought of a little story I'd share that kind of illustrates a little bit (laughs) a parenting mistake, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mistake? No, I don't know. An oversight. An oversight. oversight. That's a better word. Oversight. Yeah. yeah, You know, sometimes (laughs) as a parent, you don't realize what you haven't, what you failed to do until your children are suddenly in a situation and they don't know what to do. So uh, we had a funny thing happen. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that Christopher and I both independently have a an appreciation for sort of body humor and we actually we fell in love talking about all kinds of bodily functions you were a nurse yeah and we we'd like to just find the humor in just the silliness it's it's part of incarnational reality just being at peace with our bodily functions our bodiliness right so i guess you know we already had that tendency and it it goes together with us in the sense of of the body being a gift and a good gift and just to find sort of be comfortable with bodies and the things that they do. And 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 you have to know God has a sense of humor because he invented flatulence. (laughs) Yes, indeed. We did not come up with this. God (laughs) came up with this. So actually that's part of the topic of this little tidbit from the West (laughs) household in that without really realizing it, we obviously find humor in the funny sounds that our bodies make sometimes when, say, passing gas or other funny sounds. But um, it became clear to us that the humor might have been the only thing we'd passed on to one of our children this one day. (laughs) I I used to say when I would flatulate (laughs) in a family setting, just our family, I would say, hey, anybody hear that duck? Because it would make a kind of quack sound. Yes, right. Speaking of yeah, quacking we, is coming back, has, right? Yeah, we had another episode about quacking, we? did. Didn't we? Here we go. We are all about the ducks. So anyway, there was just this situation where our son, um, who was, I think, maybe four years old or something, had passed gas when there was a guest present. Right. And it was loud, and everyone <laughs> heard it, and there was this awkward pause where the guest was clearly expecting our son to say something like, Excuse me, right, or yeah. pardon me, please. Yes. And and that's the moment when you we were suddenly faced with the reality because I think I said to him, what do you say? You know, that was the prompt. You're yeah. supposed to say, excuse me. And he looked up so innocently, <laughs> innocently and said, Does anybody hear a duck? <laughs> <laughs> that's all he knew that a person would say. That That's situation. what you say after you fart. Does anybody hear it? <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, I guess we had to go back. A little, little more Rewind. educating, a little more parenting on that front Yeah, required. Yes, exactly. Mm. <laughs> on that note. Yes, on that note, shall we get into some questions from our listeners? Um, thank you all again, always, for sending your questions. Yeah, we're getting great questions. It's wonderful. So this first question is, Uh, submitted by Kyle, who says, I was wondering if the theology of the body can teach us something about work. Mm. 
He says, as with sex, work is certainly another way in which human beings have used each other. Mm. And yet many have experienced huge blessings by giving of themselves in a labor of love. How might TOB help a person who feels stuck in a dead-end job? Or what can work teach us about the love of God? Those are some of the Kyle, these are excellent questions. I really appreciate the way you're connecting the dots and the way you're recognizing that theology of the body really has implications for the whole of our lives. What do we do without our bodies? Uh, There's nothing we do without our bodies. We can't think without our bodies. We can't pray without our bodies. We can't work without our bodies. Everything we do involves our bodies. So yes, there are going to be uh, very interesting implications for our work. And we can see this right back in the first pages of the book of Genesis, where Adam was called to till and keep, and some translations even say guard, the garden. There's a very mm-hmm. important theology of work. And interestingly enough, right as John Paul II was delivering the theology of the body, right in the midst of that, he came out with an encyclical, one of his earliest encyclicals, mm-hmm. on human work. And he was making these connections with the sincere gift of self that we're all called to, that's stamped right in our bodies, yes. and, and how that extends in the work that we do. That work is a truly human thing when we're learning how to be a gift. Just as in the sexual relationship, we're meant to be a gift, that can get twisted up and we can end up using one another the same happens in work. It can mm-hmm. happen in an employer-employee situation. I remember a, a job I had out of college. In fact, you came and visited me at this job. I remember. Mm-hmm. I was working for a long-distance phone company. This was 1993, and I was in the customer service department. And it was a job in which I felt no more than a cog in a wheel to make the owner of the company more money. Mm-hmm. And I really felt, I felt violated. I felt treated not as a person. And now as someone who, actually I have employees who work mm-hmm. with me and for me, I do my best, and you'd have to ask my employees how, how I do there, but I do my best to make sure I'm, I'm treating people as people, as persons, mm-hmm. and not just as an instrumental good for, for some even good end. Uh, it doesn't matter even if it's a good end. If you're using the person, it's contrary to the dignity of the person. But work is an essentially human thing. You know, squirrels gather nuts, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be entirely fitting to call that work. In the true and proper sense of the word, work is a human thing. It's been affected by sin, right? The gardening that Adam was called to is now affected by thorns and thistles. Mm just as our sexuality has been twisted up by original sin, there's something, there's a painful element in work. Mm -hmm. But that also united with Christ can become powerfully redemptive and fruitful. (laughs) Christ came into the world to do the work of the Father. And that work is what he was, was here to do, to accomplish. And that work is the sincere gift of himself. What uh, thoughts do you have from the feminine perspective. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, thank you for asking. Thank you for all that you were sharing. I think that 
Kyle is kind of coming at this already with some insights that he's sharing and maybe, you know, looking for the direct link with theology of the body. So I think one of the questions he asked is about what if you feel stuck in a dead-end mm, job? Mm. And, you know, how can TOB help in that situation? You know, you could look at that in different ways, yeah. I suppose, because the Lord could be wanting to change something in your heart. Yeah. On the other hand, there could be some real gifts inside that are longing to come out, and the stuckness is the, is the pain of your gifts not being able to be expressed. I could tell a story from a job I felt really, really stuck in. Mm-hmm. I've had lots of different jobs, and I'm going back here to high school time and then early 20s, and when you're just you're working to make money, mm-hmm. and you take you know whatever job you can get just to make money. I remember I flew out to Colorado to do a job with my, my older brother, who was in need. He was having some financial troubles. He asked if I could come out and build a fence for a friend of his, and they were going to pay us pretty well. And little did we know that we would run into all kinds of obstacles, including rocks in the ground. We were digging these post holes in the ground, and we were just running into rock after rock after rock after rock. It was hard, hard, menial labor, the kind of stuff that I did not like to do. And I remember having this transformative experience in the midst of real menial labor that I did not want to do, that I was doing this for my brother, because my brother was going through a really hard time. And that experience of, of love, like I'm doing this for love of another, transformed menial labor, really backbreaking, painful stuff that I would not want to continue to do if I didn't have to do. And I didn't really have to continue to do it, but I, I did it out of love. And that changed the whole experience mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. I think, Kyle, if you're stuck in a job, certainly there's no reason you shouldn't be looking for something where your gifts are flourishing more. But if you're stuck in a job, but you're doing it for love, if love becomes the motivation, if you're in that job to serve other people, I don't know if you're married or you have kids, but if that's your motivation, if love becomes your motivation, love can enable us to endure even really, really difficult labor. I think ideally, if it's possible, it's not always possible, but if we can find a way to make a living where we are really sharing our God-given gifts and talents, that's tremendously fulfilling if that's possible. Amen to that. And we know we give certainly a lot of thanks to the Lord for the times when we do have those opportunities yeah. to really do something, hey, like right now. Like right now. We're oh, work- you yeah. and I are actually working. I know. I like it. Right? We're f- recording a podcast. Okay. And it's fun. <laughs> it is. It's a gift of self. When love is the motivator, I think this is the underlying theme. This is, the, this is where theology of the body and work come together. Mm. The body is the call to love mm-hmm. and not just in the sexual act as a husband and wife, but we use our bodies to work. And in doing that, we're making a real gift of ourselves. And that motivation of love can transform even menial, really backbreaking labor into a sincere gift of self united with Christ on the cross. And one thing I was just thinking about as you're sharing that too is that each of us could not look only at our own efforts to work but have eyes open 
to other people whose work impacts us and to be grateful for the love that Amen. we experience in the work of others. In the work of others. I, I, this has really been a lived experience of bringing theology of the body into my life, mm -hmm. that you come to appreciate the work that other people do that benefits you, and you want to acknowledge that. You know, instead of just walking through at the grocery store when you're getting your groceries checked out at the counter and not acknowledging the person who's doing that for you, to look the person in the eye, maybe even catch the person's name tag and say, thanks, Jill, have a good day. Or I, I know some of the people who have the toughest job are the TSA people at the airport. And I will always say when they check my ID and everything, hey, thanks for keeping us safe. Mm -hmm. Or when we say grace at meals, mm -hmm. you know, Wendy, that I, I will thank God for the farmers, the truck drivers, the mm -hmm. grocery store workers, all of these people who are working right. so that we could have this meal on our table. And of course, you and what you, you're typically the one who's cooked the meal, but to be grateful for the work that other people do that benefit us. I mean, right now we're talking into these microphones. Who made these microphones? Mm. Uh, thank you, God, for the people who made these microphones. Thank you, God, for the people who run the internet that enable this podcast mm. to reach so many thousands of people around the world. It really does, Kyle, this is back to your question, the connection between work and theology of the body. What we discover when we really look under the hood here at the reality of human work, we discover this global community of men and women who, of course, not under ideal circumstances, sometimes, you know, from one extreme of slave labor to the other extreme of people who, you know, are couch potatoes and don't really contribute much. But nonetheless, the world functions because people under a wide variety of circumstances, good and bad, are nonetheless making a gift of themselves through their work. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing, amazing reality to reflect on how we're all connected here. It is. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Kyle. I hope that gives you some food for thought. Mm -hmm. We have a question from a listener named Paul. And I just want to kind of summarize his question. I think he's got a specific situation, but one that he's not alone in. He has a moral question in that he's a husband who doesn't want to contracept, and he says he feels a growing trust in his heart for the Lord and for his plan. But his wife insists on contraception, and he says that she's considered leaving the marriage over this division. So he, he says he knows he's called to love her, um, but mm. he wonders what mm. advice you have for him. God bless you, my brother. First of all, Paul, I just want to acknowledge the deep wound that that causes when there's a division at this intimate level in the marriage, when you are feeling that beckoning from the Lord to trust. I want to affirm that. I want to commend that. I want to encourage you, Paul, to continue to open that. I'm having this image, as I say it, of you just throwing your sails up into the wind and the wind as an image of the Holy Spirit just carrying mm. you away. Don't be afraid, Paul, to keep throwing that sail up. And forgive me if I quote a song from my childhood. This is actually a song that's been coming to me in prayer lately, Sailing by Christopher Cross. He says, um, he 
says, the canvas can do miracles. Just you wait and see. Believe me, believe me. Just the wind and my dreams to carry me. Soon I will be free. Maybe even, you know, if it's meaningful to you, Paul, I don't know if you're aware of that song, but maybe give that song a listen and listen to the lyrics. Look up those lyrics. It's a mystical song. It really is. And so I have this image of you, Paul, just trusting the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to throw that canvas up into the wind. The canvas can do miracles. Mm. Just you wait and see. But on to more specifically your question here. Prayers for your wife, uh, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, but some counsel here, what the church offers us. I would encourage you, look up on the internet. It's the Vatimecum. It's a strange word, Vatimecum, V-A-D-E-M, Vatimecum, Vatimecum for confessors on certain questions of conjugal morality. In there, they address this question of what to do in a situation like yours. And here's the short story. You, Paul, should not be cooperating in your wife's desire to contracept. In other words, you shouldn't go out and get a vasectomy because she demanded you do so. You shouldn't be wearing a condom because she demands you do so. You are not guilty of her sin in this regard. If she chooses, for example, to be on the pill against your will, or if she chooses to insert a diaphragm against your will or get her tubes tied against your will, this is not your sin. And you are not necessarily obligated to refrain from intercourse even if your wife is guilty of the sin of contraception. Mm. That's just some initial counsel I would give you in this very delicate matter. At the same time, in love for your wife, in love for the truth, and in the spirit of throwing those sails up and letting the Holy Spirit carry you where he wills, I believe you, you are called to continue delicately, gently, based on your wife's temperament and such, and knowing where she is in her journey, to continue to invite her through your own example to open, open, open to the wind of the Holy Spirit here. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a burden here, Paul, that you are called to carry that is a heavy one. I remember giving some counsel to a, a friend of mine whose wife, against his will, got her tubes tied. And we talked about this for a good while. And I said, uh, I said to him, I want you to imagine when you are sincerely giving yourself to your wife in the marital embrace, I want you to imagine 500 million kisses on her heart from every one of the sperm that you give. Because the guy gives about 500 million sperm. Mm. And what he was sharing with me was he felt like those sperm were going nowhere. They had no, they had no meaning anymore mm. because his wife had had her tubes tied against his will. And I, I said, no, 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 there's still meaning. There's a powerful, redemptive meaning. And I want you to imagine every one of those sperm being a kiss of your wife's wounded heart. Mm-hmm. She got her tubes tied because there are fears, there are wounds, there are hurts in her life. There are insecurities. Who, who knows what all the reasons are behind it? But we do know there's some wound there, and it needs your tender, loving 
care. And that brought him great hope. If any of that is speaking to you, Paul, I'd encourage mm-hmm. you to pray into that and just ask, what does it mean in this circumstance for you to live out Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church? Mm-hmm. Christ still loves his church even when we are closing our hearts to him, mm-hmm. right? And if we're the bride closing our hearts to Jesus, that's really an image of kind of a contracepted relationship with Jesus where the bride's like putting a diaphragm over her heart or something. Uh, how does Jesus love his bride when we are closed? He woos, he beckons, he continues to sing to us, he continues to hold out his love to us. Uh, He does not harden his heart towards us, even if we harden our hearts towards him. And I I just hold that out to you, Paul, as something to pray into in learning how to love your wife in this situation. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. And please know, Paul, that we will be praying for you and for your wife and for any listeners who are in a, a similar circumstance, which is Obviously very painful, but the Lord is present there. Yeah, I'm having just a, a flood of memories right now of people I, I know close to me and people I've counseled at the end of events over the years who are mm. in this very circumstance. And I know, I'm thinking of one dear friend in particular, this has been a source of deep, deep pain in his marriage for many, many, many years. And his wife has threatened many times to leave the marriage over this issue, and he's trying to be faithful and she just gets more and more bitter towards the church. And and I just see in my mind's eye here just Christ on the cross with those nails getting driven into his flesh and that sword getting thrust into his side. There, There is real suffering here. And I, I just want to acknowledge that. I know it's real, and I also want to hold out the hope that that suffering, as bitter as it can be, bears redemptive fruit, fruit that will last. So anyone out there who's in a a very difficult situation here because one spouse is trying to be faithful to the church's teaching and the other might not be interested, please know you are deeply, intimately united with Christ on his cross, and there is a supernatural fertility that flows from that. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Yes. You mentioned songs in your answer. Um, And that actually relates to the next question we have from Michelle, who says, my husband learned early in our relationship that one of the most effective ways to woo my heart is through music. Mm. One of our favorite songs is I Choose You by Sarah Bareilles. Do you two have any favorite love songs that speak to the gift we are to each other? If so, would you be willing to share? Fun. Fun. <laughs> well, first of all, Michelle, thank you for telling me about this song from Sarah Bareilles, I Choose You. I'm not familiar with that one, but I'm going to look it up. Yeah, that was it my sounds, thought. <laughs> it sounds like a good one. We like Sarah Bareilles. We do indeed. That's fun. Well, I, what f- comes to my mind first is the song that we danced to at our wedding. I know. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Walk Forever by My Side by The Alarm by yeah. Mike Peters. The band is called The Alarm. Mm-hmm. This was an 80s band that I loved. And it's a, it's a beautiful love song about staying with the one you love through good times and mm-hmm. bad and whatever comes. And Yeah. Yeah. Any Anything else coming to your mind, love? I like duets. <laughs> that one, I mean, it sounds cheesy to say it, but I'm... 
46 years old and I like this old song. <laughs> love lift us up where we yes, belong. Yes, love yeah. lift us up where we belong. Yes. <laughs> where the eagles fly. I can see Joe Cocker doing his Joe Cocker thing. <laughs> yeah, I love that song. <laughs> Just this morning, I mean, music comes to me in prayer all the time. And thank you, God, for my spiritual director who who woke me up to this. This was like 15 years ago when I was just getting to know my spiritual director. And he says, so tell me about your prayer life. You know, what what are the graces? What are the distractions you face in prayer? And and I said, wow, one of my biggest distractions is I just hear songs in my head all the time. I mm-hmm. go to pray and I start hearing lyrics from Bruce Springsteen or Bono or whatever. And, and he gets this big smile on his face and says, you think that's a distraction? Mm. I said, well, well, yeah, I'm trying to listen to, to God, and I'm hearing Springsteen. He says, you don't think God can speak through Springsteen? I said, well, I don't know. I never thought of it. <laughs> and he said, the next time you're praying and you hear a song, listen to the lyrics. Uh, maybe it's God speaking to you. That rocked my world, changed my life. Mm-hmm. For years and years, I, I came to realize God was trying to sing to me through the music that was meaningful to me, as my spiritual director says, God speaks the language of our own hearts. You know, what's your favorite music? God's going to speak in that language to you. What are your favorite poems or whatever? You know, God will speak to you in the language of your heart. So yeah, he really does speak to us through through music. Just this morning, just this morning I was hearing, this is a song deeply meaningful to me in our relationship, love, mm-hmm. and I've shared this with you as well. It's a song by a band called The Script. My kids introduced me to them. And the song is called Army of Angels. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a great like anthem of spiritual warfare. It is. It's not a Christian band per se, but it's it's uh you know, the, the lyrics are your love is like an army of angels. Mm-hmm. And uh through the flames and the fire I will go. Cause I know, yeah, I know that I'm not alone. Your love to me, Wendy, is like that mm-hmm. army of angels. And he has this line in there where like your love is like a second skin. And and truly we we become one flesh in our mm-hmm. marriage. We've we are one body, mm-hmm. right? That's mystical in married life. We are one body. You're like another skin to me. And that mm-hmm. that the love that you share with me, Wendy, is it's really and truly like an army of angels that fights for me. Mm-hmm. Your love has helped to show me who I really am and has saved me from so many lies that I've mm. believed in my life. Yeah. And this song to me speaks deeply, deeply of your love in my life. It, it speaks to me too. I share that. Another song um, that often comes to my mind is, and I don't even know the artist, so you'll have to fill it in because you're better on those details. But do you know these lyrics? I don't know much, but I know how to love you. I don't know much, but I know I love you. That's uh, oh. that, that may be all I need to know. That may be, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who it is. It's, but. I, I can't, his name's like right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> anyway, I, there are times when as a mother and just sort of trying to do all the tasks of running our house and ca- taking care of our kids and maybe not feeling like I have much impact in the world because it sort of feels not always all that meaningful just to be in the same little space mm-hmm. that that song has kind of been an affirmation of kind of the 
the high importance of loving another human being. And the one that I'm called to love is you. And that song just kind of, it encourages me. Like, that's my highest priority. That's Mm. what that song says to me. Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Linda and Aaron. (laughs) Thank you to Google. I was on the tip of my tongue. Aaron Neville has that really unique high pitched voice. <laughs> it's really no it is a beautiful song. Yeah. Yeah, I encourage anybody out there to pay attention to the music that speaks to your heart. There's a reason music speaks to our hearts. This is God's native language is song. He mm-hmm. sings to us. The language of love. It's the language of love. Mm-hmm. Lover uh St. Augustine says singing is a lover's thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the famous, more famous line from St. Augustine is, when we sing, we pray twice. Music, like nothing else, has this ability to open us up to, to things divine. It gets us in touch with the language of our hearts. And learning to pray, learning to love, is all about getting in touch with the deep mysteries of our hearts. So mm-hmm. pay attention to your favorite songs. Pay attention to those songs that speak to you. Michelle, thank you so much for for sharing that song that blesses you. And I'm going to look it up. I'm looking at our clock here, and I think we're, we're about at our uh, yeah. wrap-up time. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everybody, for your questions for this episode. We really appreciate you tuning in. If you guys have listeners out there have any questions that you would like us to address, you can always go to askchristopherwest.com and give us your questions. We'd like to invite you also to participate in a free course we're offering listeners of this podcast. Go to askchristopherwest.com forward slash free course to dive more deeply into the great gifts of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, our gift to you just for being our listeners. Mm-hmm. Till next time, everybody. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you. God bless. Bless you. The Ask Christopher West podcast comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. This is a song deeply meaningful to me in our relationship, love, Mm -hmm. and I've shared this with you as well. It's a song by a band called My Kids Introduced Me to Them. And the song is called, Does Anybody Hear a Duck? <laughs> <laughs>